Hence, her religious image in the community was enhanced. This incident was also integral in establishing the Islamic Caliphate of Sokoto and Hausaland by her father, Shihu. The war, however, never ended and the enemy became perpetual opponents to the caliphs. During Shehu's and Belu's rule, there was a strong tradition of women leadership. The women had equal access to decisions that shaped their community, equal political, social, economic, and spiritual rights as their male counterparts, and they had their private lives free of difficulties like illiteracy and domestic violence. Women also had a place in the economy through their market and a monopoly over spinning. Asmaru upheld this tradition of female leadership when Bello chose her to wield power and lead the women of the caliphate. The women would turn to her for legal and social matters, including requests for divorce, custody rights over their children, and day-to-day -day matters such as backbiting and jealousy amongst wives. She would advise these women in reference to the Quran and refer them to courts if need be. Her work also focused on making this guidance consumable to the masses, including rural women. In order to do so, she chose mature women in each village to head units. These women were the Jaji. Asma would then educate the Jaji, who would run programs focused on young girls and older women. Groups of women would also visit Asma for guidance. These groups were called the Yantaru, or those who congregate together. The Yantaru would then visit Asma singing songs and bearing gifts. Asma used the gifts given by these women and others to welfare the sick and disabled. They stayed for several days and the women were taught how to apply the law, poetry, and pray. Asma'u's reputation was so high that men would allow their daughters and wives to travel alone on foot across the country without men just to visit her. She also did not discriminate against her pupils based on ethnicity, including educating Hosa women who were amongst those conquered in the battles. Asma'u had five children, but they did not impair her ability to write or participate in the caliphate. Gidado died when Asma'u was 57. Rather than being a normal widow at the time, she used her father and brother's authority to establish her right to call out the men in her new hometown and renounce their wrongdoings. When the next caliph, Aliu, died in 1859, Asma played a decisive role in having her nephew take his position. Upon her death in 1865, people journeyed to express their condolences to her brother. It was narrated that even men were crying at her death. Thus began the long legacy of Nana Asma'u Fodio. to her work. Now that we have concluded her biography, I will begin to explore her work. As we have seen, Asma'u was an active social and political figure in her community and beyond. However, on top of these successes, she was also a prolific writer. Her first work was dated 1820 at 27 years old. However, there is evidence of her writing in her early 20s as well. Before this time, she also collaborated with her brother, Bello, to translate and write poems and books. Aside from these works, Asma composed poems in Arabic, Fulfide, her mother tongue, and Hosa. Over 60 of her works written over 40 years have survived. Asma's poetry employs allusions and lines from the Quran and other Arabic texts, integrating them into her native tongue and tradition. In Arabic literature, the poet is revered as one who perceives what others cannot, and poetry is an innate gift. Asma due to her lineage, was a born poet, but she also conducted in-depth study of Islamic poetry. Not only was she versatile and competent in Arabic poetry, but she is also known as the mother of the Hosa Fulfide Ajumi tradition of poetry, which is read today in Nigerian Lagos. The purpose of her work was threefold. First, to educate and enlighten her community, especially women. 
in Islam and Sufism. To do this, her poems were written in, as monomic devices that her students and teachers could memorize with ease. She would then explain them in greater detail to her pupils. Second, as a Sufi, she used her work to connect with God. Finally, she wrote to uphold important figures in her life, such as Bello and Shihu. Her work covered many diverse subjects, which I will explore before focusing on one piece. The first topic is health. Asma'u, as a response to the magic promoted by the Hausa woman, would find metaphysical remedies based on the Quran for doctors to use. She also extensively wrote on the education of women, Sharia and women, and the family. Here she expressed consistent concern with the underprivileged commanding other men and women to follow in charity and welfare. She also wrote extensively about histories like war and politics. Finally, Asma'u focused on religion, including eschatology, theology, and idealism. It is difficult for me to isolate specific poems given their abundance. However, I've decided to share one which I find highlights Asma'u's life and goals well. This work is titled Sufi Woman and was written by Asma'u at 43. This poem honors woman's spiritual aspirations and her belief in woman's abilities to be on an ascended spiritual level with a divine connection to God. One famous verse from this poem is as follows. The ascetic women are all sanctified for their piety they have been exalted. They prayed ceaselessly to be delivered from the fires of hell. Take this to heart, my friends. I have written this poem to assuage my heart. I remind you how they yearn for God. In this poem, she continues her theme of inspiring and calling other women to religion. Thus, this poem encompasses her love of education, educating, and her fundamental views on women's spiritual strength, all significant aspects of her life. Hence why I find this poem to be a good representation of Asma'u and her work. Part 3. Her Contributions to Feminism It is without a doubt that Asma'u had an impact on Nigerian feminism. She was not the first or only woman scholar in Western Sudan. In fact, in her generation, there were at least six other well-known female poets. However, she was the most prolific and influential woman in Western Sudan in the 19th century. She educated hundreds of women in dozens of communities. She also aided these women in their matrimonial and social matters by getting them divorces and guiding them in leaving abusive husbands. She further contributed to the women and orphans' well-being in her community through her great charity. However, her impact on feminism did not end after her death. Instead, her legacy carries on in Africa. The Yantaro and Jaji still exist and practice in Nigeria. Women annually visit Sokoto with alms and singing her elegy. Many schools for girls and women's halls are still being named after her. Consequently, her legacy in educating women lives on and helps girls and women get an education even today. Her impact on feminism did not just continue in Africa, but also crossed the North Atlantic to America. Asma'u's Yantaru has impacted many African-American women, leading to organizations in the United States. One of these were, was in Pittsburgh. Its goals were women's empowerment and education and to uphold Asma'u's example as a way for Muslim women to uphold themselves in their communities without sacrificing their religion. This congregation was not allowed to flourish due to being raided by the FBI without reason. This raid resulted in the families scattering for their safety. However, sister organizations began to pop up in California, Georgia, and Texas, amongst other states. These Yantaru organizations gathered to educate, recite poetry, and do social work. These offshoot organizations have also come together in a central Yantaru organization. 
Ultimately, Asmaru's feminism has not only aided the women of her time, but transcended time and space to help women, particularly Black women, across the world. Part 4. The Critique Due to academia's colonialism and Eurocentricism, Asmaru's achievements have been minimized or stereotypes by Western feminists. From a Western perspective, feminism has no root room for gender roles and traditional gender relationships. Thus, feminist critics have called Asma'u anti-feminist for her encouragement of gender roles. However, viewing Asma'u's life, society, and work in this light, in my opinion, is counterproductive and imposes Eurocentric history and understanding upon her Black, African, Muslim culture. Instead, I believe it is vital to situate her work in her culture and religion. In Western feminism, there is an assumption that gender norms are hierarchical and oppressive. However, a view of West African peoples at the time displays that in their culture, there was an emphasis on dualism and balance in gender relationships. Major groups such as Igbo, Hausa, Yoruba, and Ido could appear to be patriarchal from a Western lens, with men dominating politics and patrilineal systems. Yet, women in these communities were unshackled, socially visible, free to pursue their own goals in education, and owed a responsibility to their community to participate within it. The divisions between men and women were not present to subjugate women, as was done in the West, but to divide society's social work and responsibility, as was seen to suit each gender best. Women in the Sokoto Caliphate were not seen as weaker or less intelligent than their male counterparts. In education, spirituality, creativeness, and intellectual pursuits, some of the most substantial and upheld figures in the community were women like Asma'un. Thus, Asma'u did present gender norms and roles, but none of these roles meant oppressing or harming women. For instance, her recommendations for patients with multiple wives were seen as harmful by critics. However, this prompt made sense in the context when men would go die in battle and leave widows. Her culture's understanding of a woman's ideal life is not the same as the Western ideals of feminism. As a Muslim woman myself, I can say that imposing these liberal standards of feminism on other Islamic communities and women of color only acts as a mental colonization and shutting down of what these women actually want from their lives. Asma'u was not anti-feminist for uplifting women in a different matter, and to view her work in that light instead of considering why she may have made those recommendations, in my opinion, is unfair and dangerous. Asma'u's life and her community prompt some interesting comparisons with other thinkers in this course. The first connection is that the freedom and position awarded to Asma'u as a woman in Africa in the Sokoto Caliphate was much better than that afforded to many Western thinkers. For instance, Asma'u, her aunts, grandmother, and great-grandmother were all able to openly write and contribute to scholarship in their time under their name. In comparison, Madeleine de Scudere, who wrote at the time of Asma'u's grandmother, could not publish under her name, but had to do so under her brothers. This hiddenness is because in Scudery's culture, the West, women's intellectual capabilities were not respected. Whereas for Asma'u in Nigeria, women's intellectual and spiritual knowledge is upheld just as much as any man's. Another thinker who has a significant connection with Asma'u is Wollstonecraft. Wollstonecraft's work, Vindication of the Rights of Women, appears to prompt many similar things as Asma'u did. Wollstonecraft calls for women's education to be the same as a man's, morality over manners, and modesty for men and women. These recommendations were already present in Asma'u's society and her work, 
which existed in the same few decades as Wollstonecraft. Girls in the Sokoto Caliphate received the same education as the boys. Spirituality and morality, such as charity, were also highly encouraged by Asma in her work in community. Asma also encouraged women to retain their dignity like Wollstonecraft did. Her father, brother, and her husband in turn encouraged modesty for men. In my opinion, if Wollstonecraft had met Asma in her society, I'm sure that she would have admired how they upheld the values of education, morality, and intellectual and spiritual equality of the sexes. Through this podcast, I have taken you all on a journey through the life and times of Nana Asmaufodio. If there's any note that I think it is best to conclude on, it is that her life and work challenged many Western ideas of feminism. Asma was a Black woman who lived in an African Islamic caliphate. And it was not despite these facts, but because of these facts that Asma had the liberty and respect which she did as a female poet. Her work has empowered many and will continue to do so. And in my opinion, it is time for Asma to receive the scholarly attention which she and her hard work deserve. That's all I have for today. Thank you for watching the Paul 303 podcast, Her Story, Woman Who Write.